done okay on the last one, but uh, glad that uh, you uh, hung in there with us as we have a few little technical glitches um, with our uh, audiovisual stuff today. You know, it's great when it all works, and when it doesn't work, it makes our wonderful uh, folks in the sound booth back there, their lives go a little nuts for a while. So we appreciate all the work that they're doing. And I'm so glad that you got it up in time for this wonderful picture of Aretha Franklin. <laughs> Perhaps you saw the title of the sermon today, and probably you knew exactly who I was talking about. You may not have, but that's the question of the commandment that we're going to be covering today, is respect just a great Aretha song. A little bit of trivia as we begin, who wrote that song, Respect? And I'll narrow it down. Was it a man or a woman? Any guesses? It was a man, actually. A man by the name of Otis Redding. You probably don't know him for this song, but you probably know him for the song Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. Or at least you might. Great, great song. And Otis Redding also uh, wrote this song, Respect, and put it out. And it received some charting, uh, not nearly what Aretha got. And then later on, uh, Aretha covered it, and in the uh, session, when they were recording it, one of her uh, singers singing along with her was her sister, Carolyn, and Aretha and her sister, Carolyn, put in that little bridge where they spell out the word, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what that means to me and the rest of that part. Well, that was actually written by Aretha and her sister, uh, Carolyn. And so that became her song. In fact, after Aretha made such a big hit of it, uh, Otis Redding said publicly, well, yes, I wrote that song, but that is no longer my song. That is Aretha's song, and, and rightly so. The Queen of Soul owned that song and, and so many others in such an incredible, incredible way. And so as I was thinking about this particular commandment of the 10 that we're covering today, that was the thought that came to my mind, respect. And is respect today just a great old Aretha song, and that's it? The Ten Commandments call us to honor God and respect our neighbor. Now, the question is, which has more? Which has more of the Ten Commandments, honoring and loving and respecting God, or honoring and loving and respecting God? neighbor. Which has more? Now, you might think that, well, it would be God, of course, because serving God is far more significant than serving neighbor, and you would be wrong. Six of the ten, actually, speak to us about how we treat each other. Only four, the first four that we've covered already, speak about our relationship with God. Commandment number one was put God first. We asked the question, who is your God? The second one, don't sell God short about graven images. We asked the question, how big is your God? Have you limited God? Number three was watch your words. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. How's your language was the question we asked ourselves with that one. And then number four last week was make time for the important things. What does your calendar Look like, and that was the one uh, where he speaks about honoring and keeping the Sabbath. 
I appreciated Wade's prayer earlier and especially appreciated him giving us a a foretaste of what's coming the next two Sundays. Because over the next two Sundays, we speak of those uh, commandments that specifically deal with the issue of life and morality. As we go into those commandments, number six and seven, we have thou shalt not kill. And we have thou shalt not commit adultery. And so I want to say some very plain things over the next two weeks during those sermons especially because I think those are very important questions in our society, in our day, and in our time today. Likely you've heard me say some of those things, but those are the two that are coming up. And I believe they're very significant, of course. Commandment number five, however, is the one we're looking at today. And that says this, treat those in authority with respect. Treat those in authority with respect. You've probably noticed that as we've gone through these commandments, I've broadened them a little bit, and that's certainly true today. Because today's commandment is found in Exodus 20, verse 12, and also Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. And you're familiar with this commandment. It says, honor your father and your mother. But it also gives a promise or two along with it, depending on whether you're reading from Exodus or Deuteronomy. The promise is that it may go well with you and that you may live long and prosper in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and your mother. Treat those in authority with respect. It starts with parents. And grandparents and aunts and uncles and those family members that we are to honor and respect. But it goes far beyond that. Treat those in authority with respect. The fifth of the Ten Commandments then asks the question, is respect just a great Aretha song? And that's it. We ask ourselves, where have respect and consideration gone in our society today? You would think that an advanced society would treat each other well, right? You think that we would love one another more, that we would be considerate of one another more, that we would be respectful of one another more, that we would be kind to each other. I'm sure you've noticed in our society, just as I have, that those things are more and more seem to not be true not be true. For some reason or another, we feel like we have permission and that it's acceptable to treat others with disrespect rather than respect, to be inconsiderate, to even go so far as to be unkind. And I realize that this is a problem throughout the world, and I get that. The world is always going to be the world. And as, I, as you've heard me say about some of these others, I'm less concerned about the world than I am about us. Because I think sometimes we ourselves need these reminders that we don't act with the world's values. And so we we are respectful of those in authority. And we are kind and considerate and respectful to all. Even those with whom we have great disagreement. Where have respect and consideration gone in our society? And I have a, you have Bill's little theory here about 
uh, why that seems to be the case, why we feel like we have permission to treat other people any way we want to treat them, with disrespect, with inconsideration, with unkindness. And I don't want to lay all of the blame here. We each shoulder our own responsibility. But I think part of the blame is on social media because social media gives you the opportunity uh, to be anonymous. You can send something out. You can write something. You can put it out there. Email does this as, as well to an extent. You can track email a little bit better maybe. But social media allows us to put out there, and there are many that, as you know, as you've looked at uh, Facebook or Twitter, they may have a picture there, but it may not be theirs. (laughs) It may be some image or graphic or something. And so there's this ability to stay behind the curtain and say whatever you want to say and not be held accountable for it at all, because who knows who you are. Well, for the Christian, that doesn't justify being disrespectful, doesn't justify being inconsiderate. It certainly doesn't justify being unkind. But Bill, it's the truth. Okay, good. So Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, unless the truth is differently, and then you can hate them and be unkind to them, and it's okay. Don't remember that last part, it seems. Treat other people, including and especially those in authority, with respect. So let's speak about this commandment for a few moments. First of all, what this commandment does not do. Let's share a little bit about what this commandment does not do, and then maybe a little bit more about what it means. What this commandment does not do, first of all, it does not justify abuse. It does not justify abuse. Rubel Shelley wrote, Parental authority over children does not justify tyranny or abuse. It does not. Let me be absolutely, completely, perfectly clear here. There is absolutely no justification for abuse. No justification for spousal abuse, for wife abuse. No justification for parent abuse. No justification for for child abuse. None. Zero. No matter what else is going on, that is never right. It is never justified. Ever. Ever. There are extenuating circumstances. There are things going on that make that dynamic difficult sometimes. I get that, but that is not how you handle it. Not as a human being and certainly not as a Christian and child of God. And the reason we have to say this here is because at times, through the years and even today, some people use this to justify that. Husbands would point to Ephesians 5 and say, see, you're supposed to submit to me, so come back even though I beat you up. Some parents may use this that we'll look at in just a moment in Ephesians 6 and say, see there, I have the right to physically or emotionally abuse my child because they're told to honor their mother, and their father. Well, that is not true. That is not biblical. It is not right. When I worked with women's shelters in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I was on the board of one in Arlington for a while and another in Fort Worth for Tarrant County for a while. One of my roles was to sit down with women who were there in the shelters and talk to them. And many of them had spiritual questions. And for many of them, they were suffering from great 
great guilt about being there. Do you know why? Because they were people of faith and they believed that the Bible was true. And their abusing husband was telling them, you have to come back to me because the Bible says you are to submit to your husband as the church submits to Christ. And they would use that to justify their abusive behavior. And that is wrong. It is inhuman. And it is not biblical. It is far from biblical. And I tried to help them understand, look, that's not what that's saying at all, at all, not even close, not even close. They fail to read the remainder of that passage, as you know, in Ephesians 5 that tells husbands to love their wives. And what's the example? As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it rather than making the church suffer. This commandment does not justify abuse. Absolutely not. If you're still not clear about how I feel about that, talk to me afterwards. I'll be glad to clarify. Secondly, it does not justify disobeying God in order to serve family. Several instances in the Gospels where Jesus makes that abundantly clear. One, he says very specifically, you can't love your mother or father or brother or sister or anyone else more than you do me. That's pretty telling. And then once when his family members were trying to kind of rein him in a little bit, <laughs> he looked at them and they, the people were telling him, hey, your mother and brothers are out there. They want to see you. And Jesus said, who are my mother and my brothers? It is those who are obedient to the word of God. So this commandment does not justify disobeying God in order to serve family. But lastly, under this point, it does not justify neglecting family in order to serve God. And again, people have abused Scripture to make that true, starting in Jesus' day. And long before that, of course, but Jesus himself in Mark chapter 7 had some issues with the religious leaders of the Jews because they took this very commandment, honor your father and your mother, and they rationalized a way to get out of doing it. And they said, no, 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 I would be glad to financially support my parents, but I've decided to dedicate this money to the Lord. How good am I? So they can suffer away because I'm so faithful. Jesus calls them out on it, and he says, absolutely not. You can't do that. When you do that, you're doing what Isaiah talked about when he said they're teaching his commandments, the doctrines of men. They're offering me lip service. And Jesus would have none of it. This does not justify neglecting family in order to serve God. Another great example is seen on the, very, on the cross when Jesus died. You remember that, right? He saw his mother and the apostle John down there. And he made sure that his mother was going to be taken care of. And he told John to do it. And he told her to let him. This commandment does not justify neglecting family in order to serve God. In fact, to neglect family is to disobey God. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. So secondly, what this commandment means. First of all, for family. What does this commandment mean for family? And this is where we go to Ephesians chapter 6. And Paul, during one of these places, he also does this in Colossians, and there are other places where we do this. And we see these, these little quick hits about how to be faithful family members. 
Starts in Ephesians 5, as I mentioned earlier, but in Ephesians 6, the first four verses, he deals with parents and children. And he says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And so he reminds us of those scriptures in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 that talk about this commandment, to honor your father and your mother. And he says these are the commandments that have a promise attached to them. That it may go well with you and that you may live long and prosper in the world, in the nation, in the place where you're going to, where God is going to give you in the days of Joshua. Now, we know that that's not always true. It's kind of like the Proverbs, you know. Proverbs, proverbial statements have things that are, it talks about that are generally true, but do, do have exceptions. And so we understand that sometimes parents or grandparents may not give the best advice and counsel. And so we get that. We understand that. But generally speaking, you're better off if you listen to your parents or to your grandparents or to uncles or aunts or others that have a few years on you that you respect. You'll live longer. (laughs) When they say don't smoke, when they say don't drink, when they say don't stay out past midnight, nothing good happens after midnight. Anybody ever hear that? (laughs) You just might live longer if you listen to them. But then there are other instances where you'll also live better. Your life will be better. You'll have less trouble. You'll follow good, wise counsel and advice from the people that you respect. That's the first commandment with promise. But then it also talks to parents. And it says, don't exasperate your parents or your children. Fathers, don't exasperate. Some versions, don't antagonize your children. And I like to say that is not the job of the father. That is the job of the papa. (laughs) Next Sunday, Joyce and I will have all four of our grandchildren starting Wednesday night to, well, Thursday through the following Wednesday without their parents. So we have five or six days to completely indoctrinate them. (laughs) Awesome. Parents are told to treat their children with respect and consideration and love and do the things, even the hard things. It doesn't mean you say yes every time. In fact, it means exactly the opposite. You say what you need to say, what is best for them. Just like God as a loving father does for us. He answers our prayers sometimes with a yes, sometimes with a no, sometimes with a wait. Every single time, it is what's best for us. And that's what parents are called to do. And children are called to respect and submit to their parents. Paul speaks of that to the Romans and to Timothy and in other places. And in that passage in 1 Timothy 5 is the one where they're talking about how the church supports widows. And it's very clear. It says, look, if there's family members that can take care of them, don't let the church be burdened. Call on the family members to take care of them. That's their role. That's their job. They are commanded to do that. In fact, that's the passage where Paul even says, the one who won't take care of their family has denied the faith and is worse than a non-believer, than an unbeliever. That's how serious God takes this. And so it begins in the home, treating others, especially those in authority with respect, begins in the home. That is where it starts. And that's why it's so crucial for us as a nation to 
remind ourselves how important the family is, how important the home unit is, as Wade shared in his prayer, how important it is for every household to have a mother and a father that loves them and respects them and cares for them. And that is the ideal. That is God's vision. And we know in our communities that doesn't always happen that way. And that's when God uses us to try to help. And so we do. But it begins in the homes. Some concrete ways to honor and respect our parents, to respect them, to respect their role. And this doesn't just mean when we're six. It may mean when we're 60. Some of you are in your 60s and have parents who are still alive. However old you are, we respect their role. We value their advice and counsel. It doesn't mean we take it, but we value it and we consider it strongly. We meet their needs. We take care of them as they have taken care of us or should have. And we affirm their efforts and we forgive their failings. Why? Because they have them. Because they're human too. Our parents, our grandparents, other loved ones. They haven't always been perfect at their job. Just as we haven't been. And so we ask our children to forgive us. And our children do. And we forgive our parents and others as well. So finally today, what this commandment means for society. What does it mean for society? Here's the uh, Cliff Notes version. We just sang we're marching to Zion, right? Okay, so how do we live while we're marching? How do we treat other people while we're marching to Zion? That's where we're going. We're going to Zion. But in the meantime, we're right here, right now. How do we treat each other? With respect, with consideration, with kindness, with love. This great passage in Romans 13 and all the others that are listed on your outline tells us that. It tells Christians that, to be submissive to the ones who are in authority. Not just the good ones, but the bad ones. Not just the Christian ones, but the unchristian ones. Not just non-Christians. The ones who are trying to destroy you and to destroy the church. Paul says, be respectful towards them. It applies to civil authorities It applies in your job, in your school. You say, but Bill, I have the worst boss ever. Okay, be the best employee ever. Don't violate your Christian principles, but that gives you a long way to go to be a good worker, to show respect for a person because of their role, because of their position. Same in school with teachers, with other school authorities. They are there because... They have sacrificed a lot (laughs) to help you. (laughs) And so we want to encourage them. Hold them accountable, certainly so, but encourage them. And in general, again, this is how we are called to live as a society, even on social media, even when we're talking politics. (laughs) There's no, this doesn't apply here in Scripture. It applies in in all of our lives. And so as Christians, this is one of the places where we are especially able to be a witness. Because it's different. 
We treat people not the way they treat us. We, we treat people not the way we des- they deserve. We treat people the way God in Christ has treated us. And that, my friends, is different. Nobody else in the world acts that way. And when we do, it enables people to be aware that Jesus makes a difference. We replace disrespectfulness with respect. We replace inconsideration with being considerate. We replace unkindness with demonstrations in word and deed of kindness. Deliberate kindness. In that passage in Romans 13, there is this verse that causes us trouble, especially Romans 13, verse 5. Paul says, don't just do this because you don't want to get in trouble and in trouble with the law. Do this as a matter of conscience. That's what separates the Christian from the non-Christian. We don't just do this, follow the law so that we don't get arrested. We follow the law because it's the law. And God says that we're to be respectful and submissive to the civil authorities. Now again, and there's clear New Testament examples of individuals where to follow those laws would cause us to break the law of God, and we don't do that. But again, that gives, we go a long way, especially in this country, before that happens. Now, that may mean that we don't, are, are not particularly happy. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, you know, Bill, authorities today totally don't deserve our respect like they did in Paul's day. Um, what? In the day when they were putting Christians in jail and killing the apostle James in Acts 12. And others, well, things were much worse for the people who heard these words the first time. And yet that was their call, and it's our call too. The greater the difference between what the Bible teaches and what is acceptable in society, the greater the need and opportunity for Christians to stand out as those who follow the Word of God. We're, again, we're going to see that in a very real, very practical, very everyday living way. The next two sermons... As we talk about thou shalt not kill in the sanctity of life, and as we talk about thou shalt not commit adultery and the call for morality over immorality, the greater the difference between what the Bible teaches and what is acceptable in society, the greater our opportunity for witness. And so we're trying to train our children up in this way. We saw that in a great way in Vacation Bible School recently. And wonderful, Donnie Cook did such an amazing, amazing job. And all the others who worked with her. Such a great thing. We're trying to do that with our youth ministry. And we saw that with our kids going off to camp. Our junior high kids a couple of weeks ago. This morning our high schoolers left to go to Oklahoma to be at camp. And, and throughout our youth ministry and our children's ministry. We're trying to help our children see that their values should be these values. And not what they hear at school. And not what they hear on TV or on the internet. And not sometimes what they hear from their friends. We are known for these things, and it helps our witness. We, we send these Magi boxes out. What a great, great ministry, Donnie Carnathan. Wherever you are, there you are. What a great idea. What a wonderful way that families and individuals can work together to help people in need. 
Well, as we close today, a couple of things. First of all, this is the first of the horizontal one another commandments. Again, the other four, the first four we've seen are all direct to God. This is how I treat God. But from five through ten, six of the ten are to tell us how we should treat each other. Why? Because just like Jesus said, he was asked what the greatest commandment was, and he said to love God, but then he added the second one, to love your neighbor as yourself, because they can't be separated. You can't do one and not the other. This is the first of those, and there are more of these than the others, just as we said. And that's why it's so important to do what we sang about earlier with that beautiful, wonderful song that we love and sing so well, The Greatest Commandments. Calling us to love one another. Calling us to bear and endure and believe and trust all things, as 1 Corinthians 13 says. Calling us to love others as God in Christ has loved us. And when we do that, when we are respectful in our society, when it's more than just a great Aretha song, We're witnesses of Jesus Christ that he has made a difference in how I live my life. And I want so desperately for him to make the same difference in yours. This morning, if we can help that happen, come as we stand, sing our song together.